everybody and welcome back to the Classy Chicks podcast. Today we have, as promised, Nick Wiley on for a part two. Now a little disclaimer, um, Nick has been the first of two things so far now. Nick has been the first guy to be on my podcast and he's also been the first person of whom's recording I've lost. So when we recorded this podcast uh, a couple of days ago, it was the day before Hurricane Ian hit Florida. And immediately after I got off the podcast with him, um, my roommate called me and we were freaking out about the hurricane and I'm pretty sure everything just didn't save. So we, we had a great discussion, which it kind of makes me a little sad that I did lose the recording, but we're going to have this discussion again, because I mean, we definitely can talk about it again. So we're going to talk about what, what we promised you on the last podcast, which was just kind of more in depth about feminism and because on on the last podcast, we talked a little bit more about dating and stuff. And we're going to talk a little bit more about feminism and how, like, is there any good in feminism? Um, Where did feminism come from? And so I kind of just start, want to start actually, (laughs) before I start, I want to start with the classy and trashy moments. (laughs) Almost forgot that one again. So Nick promised me today that he has some amazing classy and trashy moments. So Nick, you want to go first with your classy moment? Sure. So I was at church yesterday, so Sunday, or no, I'm sorry, this is two days ago, Sunday. And um, so I'm just sitting there in my pew, minding my own business, and a man comes up to me, approaches me. He's, I, I, I saw him before mass. I could tell he's, uh, he's media. And so he comes oh. to me. He's got these cameras, and he's like, "Hey, I'm from the New York Times. Like, could I just like shoot yeah. you randomly the whole time throughout mass? Because they, they're they're doing a, a piece on the Latin mass, um, oh apparently coming up gosh. soon. What? And so I I didn't reveal to him who I am who I work for or anything like that I was just like yeah sure man so it, take my- it was just because you were a random person it wasn't like he knew who you were no he had no idea who I was but wow. I know that if, if I would have told him exactly who I was he wouldn't have done it probably and so oh, he um so he got my name and my number hoping to hear from their reporter soon and give, give yeah. comments for this article they're doing but like the whole time we were going throughout mass um he was like he was shooting the mass and all but he was also like following me around shooting me throughout the thing so that was a cool That's classy crazy. moment crazy that's a very classy moment you were a real celebrity there <laughs> <laughs> nice nice um my classy moment is that I went to um this rooftop restaurant with one of my friends tonight and it's just the best it's the best place to go to for sunset in Tampa the best restaurant I would say it's because it overlooks, it overlooks the water. It overlooks all of Tampa. And the weird, the funny thing about it is it's, excuse the dogs in the background. I don't know if you can hear them, but my roommate's dogs are barking and it's because they're in their cage because they're all muddy from all the gross water on that's on our streets because of the hurricane. But anyway, um, this, it's just this beautiful stunning view. And the funny thing is guys aren't allowed, there's no rules for girls, but guys aren't allowed in it with, unless they have like belt loops because it's fancy. Have you ever heard of that? I have never heard of a restaurant having that stipulation. I know. And I didn't know that, but I was with one of my guy friends today and he was like, yeah, last time I couldn't get in because I didn't have belt loops. And I was like, what? So that was interesting, but that's kind of classy. I guess they have some, some restrictions. You can't wear short shorts in there and stuff nice but anyway that was my classy moment all right what about your trashy moment 
trashy moment soon after leaving mass um (laughs) so my uh i met up with a couple friends um there's two guys one's wife and then a, a a pretty popular individual and so we go out to a bar first we have a few drinks and then everyone's like, oh, you know, I'm hungry. Let's go. Let's go get some food before they were going to go off to hang out with some other people. But they're like, oh, that's going to be a while. Let's get some food first. Mm-hmm. So we go We go to a restaurant also, a pretty cool restaurant. And yeah, we're, we're, we're someone who um, is pretty, pretty well known, has, has a good bit of money. It's like, I want, just give us everything on the menu. And so oh. we literally have everything on the menu of this restaurant. Some, some things, multiple things. This is like a... Um, it's like a, a sliders place, but a fancy sliders place. And they like all wow. kinds of stuff too, like different desserts all. So we, we were stuffed. We had more drinks there too. And then we go out and for some reason we end up at a, a park and a greenhouse and stuff. And then, and then we're, sp- then we start, <laughs> it's, we're a bunch of young guys. We, we, we take off our shoes and stuff and we start racing in, in the park after doing all, after doing oh, all of that. Disgusting. And so we're, we're doing like literally football field worth sprints and Ew. racing each other and uh, just after doing that um I, I luckily did not pass out or throw up but I, I was seeing stars from from all the one from all the running but I did I did win I did win a, a nice bet oh man that story made me feel a little sick to my stomach a little, a little nauseous that, but that is a good you know you were right you had some you had some good classy and trashy moments this week <laughs> Um, my trashy moment is kind of, kind of basic, kind of happens to me all the time. Um, a lot of weekends I nanny like a lot and I like overnight nanny and stuff like that. And so I kind of tend to live in my car and by Monday of this week, I just had so many like empty, like not even like cups that I could throw away, but like mugs from my house that were just like in my car and it was kind of gross. So that was my trashy moment, but it's fine because then you clean them all out and then you have a nice week when you don't have trash in your car. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's get into it, Nick. So my first question, and this was, <laughs> this was what I started with on the podcast that we lost in thin air is what is feminism, right? Because yeah. that word gets thrown out a lot. And I think that before we start talking about it, we need to define it. So what is, what does feminism mean? Like, yeah. So yeah, we definitely, everyone means something different when they say it. And so that's one of the reasons why I think it's just a horrible word to use, even though some people try to rectify it. But feminism in itself is a philosophy and a worldview, which is incompatible with the Catholic faith, because it teaches that one of the sexes being women is throughout all of history been oppressed by men and the women need to rise up and have equal and when they say equal they always actually mean like greater powers and things like that and so and so yeah it's it's a it's a it's a worldview that sees people as oppressed and not meant for the duties which the church calls them to right um right and i think i think it's interesting i mean i think it's interesting that definition because when I, and I mean, we'll talk about this a lot more, but when I, when I just look up feminism on Google, right, the Google search says that feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. So to me, right, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. The advocacy of women's rights, right, 
because women have rights and men have rights. All people have rights and equality of the sexes. Women and men should be equal, right? Or is there is there a problem with that? Should women and men not be equal? Yeah, so I think that men and women are equal on like the supernatural plane. So they, they have, they're equal in dignity, loved by God, both meant for heaven. But on, on the natural plane, like in this temporal world, they're not, they have specific duties and the, the, the different rights call you to have different duties in life. And so having, it's not really a, a true equality. Like there, there's, there's the equality in terms of dignity, but in, in actuality, just in this temporal world, there, there's not this absolutist equality. That's interesting. So would you say, but see to me, see to me, um, having different duties does not make them unequal, right? It makes them different, but I don't necessarily know that that is not equal. Like why, why would you say that men and women aren't equal? What, what would necessarily be an example of that, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the most easy example is that men are the ones who the church has always said in Jesus Christ himself shows that men are the ones that, that are fit to rule. So men rule the church. Men are the priests. Men are the hierarchs of the church. It is not a woman's role to govern the church, but that doesn't mean that woman doesn't have a very important role to play in the church, but there's not this equality to where, and that's one of the things that feminists advocated for from the very beginning, is they wanted women priests, women to have governance in the church. So you say that, so you say that in the church, right? So the church is your example, right? That obviously women cannot be priests, and obviously I do not advocate for women being priests. Um, well, let's, before we get into this a little bit more, let's go back to the origins of feminism. So I remember last time we recorded this podcast, right? You explained some very interesting things about how feminism originated that I didn't know. So could you maybe explain that a little bit? Because to my understanding, and I know that there are a lot of people who think this, right? To my understanding, feminism kind of began around the Seneca Falls Conference, and it was mainly focused on women having the right to custody of their children if something happened with their husband, women having the right to vote, stuff like that. What is your understanding of the beginning of feminism? Yeah, so I think that that is kind of the smoke and mirrors reason that they gave to people. Like, of course, you're going to make something look beautiful when you're trying to push it through. Like we're, we're always, that's, that's what every, everybody does that whenever they're trying to push an agenda is like, you try to make mm. things look super beautiful, give it, give your best to it. But secretly there's like these underpinning things. And so what they're really doing is it's, it's really more of a commun, it's more of a communist thing. Like it, there's a lot of connections between feminism and communism. And what, what they're actually doing is they're trying to destroy, destroy the family in very real ways that they, they are advocating for, you know, promiscuity in women. They're advocating for women not having to do the duties that the church is calling them to within marriage. They're advocating for women to get out into to be out of the home, and which I mean, we which we know we've seen all the um, we've seen what's happened from that is that just the family has been utterly destroyed with women not being in home and other people raising children that aren't their own for the women while while they're gone. And so yeah, these these are a lot of things they're advocating for and. 
it, the, the vote and all that were, were very small things that they, that they blew up in the face of it. But I mean, just going through their writings and especially like what they came out of with the Seneca Falls Convention, you see there's a lot more to it than just what meets the eye with, oh, we just want to vote. Hmm. And I mean, you know, for, it's funny because it, it, it's interesting because we did already, you know, talk about this amongst ourselves before, but to everyone, to everyone listening, everyone who knows me kind of knows that like, obviously I'm not for radical feminism, but I've made the distinction many times between third wave feminism, which is what we see now where like women want to be greater than men, women want to do all this crazy stuff and first wave feminism. And I think that it's, you know, it's interesting for, for us, for me, for a lot of people that I know as young women to hear this other side of it, that, oh, wait, like what we know about the beginning of feminism may have been, like you said, kind of just smoke in the air, like covering something else. Um, and I'm going to link in the show notes, Nick sent me some really good pointers that explains this a little bit more because I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Nick, I need to do a lot more research on this side of it because all, all I really know is kind of the basics that I guess everyone really, not everyone, but a lot of people really know about the beginning of feminism. And so it, it, it's interesting, you know, it's always good to learn about this because I mean, like you kind of said, like, it doesn't really make sense for something like abortion rights or like gay rights that's now in the feminist movement to just come out of thin air if it was based on a solid principle. It makes sense if it was based on a faulty principle of wanting more promiscuity. Yeah. And so I, and so I definitely think that like, you can be an innocent person and think a lot of these things sound good because we've seen the fallen world that we live in. And you think that, oh man, like, bad things happen husbands cheat on their wives or they like leave them and their children well exactly or men die so so i mean you can see a lot of these things where it's like oh yeah i think that women should have you know more opportunities and that's actually what john paul ii is kind of getting at in his pontificate and so all the popes have been ever since the feminist movement started like all the popes and all have been totally against it but john paul ii if you just read him without thinking about everything that's happened in the past if you read him just blanket, not understanding anything, you would think that he's advocating for these things, but he's really not. What, he, what he's really getting at is that we see that women should have like these opportunities in society, not out of the fact that they're just like, what should be due to them in the first place, but because of the fact that we see governments taking advantage of people mm. to where their governments and economies are setting up worlds where they don't want one income households like they, they literally don't. That's what, that's what communists and socialists and all do. Like they, they want everyone to be super poor and working for the government. And so they do that. And then other people and other things are happening as well to where these opportunities are able for women are able to have them only out of a reactionary mindset. But but the popes mm. are very clear on what the ideal is. And that's I think what we need to focus on again is like what it, what is the ideal of everything and work towards that as much as we can. Interesting, right, right. I mean, no, I, I mostly agree with you. So, but what do you think? So, I mean, I guess this is just kind of hypothetical, but what would have happened if we did not have a feminist movement in the first place, right? 
would women still not be able to vote? Would women, because the thing is, I mean, I work like, like you were talking about, this is obviously not ideal, but I work with, a, I used to work with a lot of women in crisis pregnancy counseling who were fighting for custody of their child because their boyfriend or their husband was psychotic, you know? What would happen if women didn't have these rights? Do you think that there are some fundamental rights that feminism helped achieve? Or do you think that it all could have happened in a different way? It all was bad. Yeah, I mean, I think that the harms totally outweigh the goods. But I think that having a feminist, having feminism go through in the first place was, it, it just, it escalates everything after that. And with it comes the contraceptive mindset comes the abortive mindset that makes a lot of these things possible. So why so, I mean, I, why does why does that come with with the right to vote and with um custody of child? Why why does abortion contraception? Well, yeah, not not necessarily the custody of child, but whenever you have feminism and you're having women being told like, okay, you need to have these roles in society, you, you see it all the time with like the career woman. So oh, whenever, I see what you mean. I yeah, see yeah. So so whenever. I mean, that's what all these like women athletes and stuff like that, they're, they're just totally contracepting all the time or having abortions. They have babies because if I have a baby, I can't even compete in my sport for a year right. and, and all these other jobs too. Like if women are trying to advance high in a, in a position, like they can't take time to have a baby. And so, and so all these things like that, that causes a lot of the rifts because we, I mean, we know like women, women on birth control, women who have abortion, like that messes with your with all of your body and your psychology oh, so much and so yeah. It, it yeah it creates a lot of these rifts but I mean I do understand that there are terrible cases that happen and so it, it does have a little bit of possibly a positive a positive effect on those things but the things that it's destroyed like far away and, and the reason that the feminist movement was able to happen in the first place is because we had such weak men like if men we're truly being strong. Right, so talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. If men, if men were being men, then there would have been no feminist movement in the first place. Like, that is, that is the role, that is the, um, that's the very almost, like, terrifying situation a woman puts herself in the first place is whenever she's marrying a man, like, she has to marry a good man because yes. she is, she does have all these things that are required of her by the church whether whether we like it or not like it's just it's the way that things are and so if you're if you're picking a man who isn't going to be because it's supposed to be the hierarchy of god man woman and kids and so the man is supposed to be this strong prayerful man who is receiving from god how to lead the family and if, if, if he's not a man that you trust can do that, you shouldn't marry him in the first place. And I think the Holy Family is always the example par excellence. They're the ones we have to be looking to. How did they actually live? And Joseph was the great leader of that family. And Mary, the holiest person outside of Jesus to ever walk the earth, gave her obedience over to him. And so that's something to totally meditate on. Right. And I think that I think that there's a few points in what you said that are especially crucial for for the young girls to listen to. Right. So there's a lot like you were saying before, feminism deals with and probably came about, you know, because of a lot of like you said, a lot of the traits that men were lacking. Well, we need as women, we need to be 
extremely careful in our choice of a spouse. Because when we, when we choose a spouse, we're not just choosing someone. And I think that this is kind of a misconception that a lot of, not misconception, but just a habit that a lot of young Catholic girls get into, right? Because like young marriage is encouraged, right? You, you want to get married right away. Every, every little girl wants to get married. Well, if you just rush into marriage and don't vet the person as the person who's going to hopefully bring you into, bring you to heaven, then you're going to have problems that you're going to think feminism is needed to solve, right? So you're going to have the, the husband not being able to support you, right? So you're going to think, oh, I have to go to work now, right? You're going to have the husband possibly be abusive. Then you're going to have to fight for the children's rights. So I think that, I, I mean, it, it's, it's very clear. It, it, it all correlates back to the natural order of things and the fact that right now in our world, um, there's a lot of the natural order of things being messed up. Now, let me ask you a question though, because we're kind of really talking about married women here, like in, in a lot of this, right? What do you think about for the women who aren't married, right? Do you think, I mean, you don't think that women should not be in the workplace, right? You, what, what is your opinion on that? Yeah. So, I mean, a woman who is, you know, an adult and not married, I mean, she has to have means to support herself. And so, of course, there's, there's that, there's those people need to work and all, but yeah, I'm more concerned about once the woman is married, then things need to change. But I mean, yeah, you're an adult and you have to, you have to support yourself and all, and, and just, yeah, you have, you have your own life. And so that's, when you're, I mean, if we're talking equality, that's like kind of when you're the most equal is whenever you're an adult and you're, I not, just, and you're not yet married. I guess, I guess my one thing that I would go back to that I kind of disagree with you on, Nick, and maybe we'll just have to agree to disagree is I don't think that it's unequal for women when they're married for the woman to be working in the home and the man to be working outside the home. I think that's just the natural order of things. I don't really think that has to do with equality. I don't think that once I become married and have kids, I don't think that I'm going to be less equal to my husband because I'm going to stay home at work instead of work from my computer or wherever, you know? I think that that's a misconception. And I think that that's something that kind of scares, that scares young women a lot, you know? Is this thing that like, okay, I'm going to get married and all of a sudden I'm going to have to like, give up my life when it's like, it shouldn't be messages that right. You're not giving up your life. You're creating new lives and you're bringing these new lives into the world. And that's the most important job. I don't know. What would you say about that? Yeah. I mean, I think, so I think that the gospel is a radical call to holiness. And that I think that also, I mean, it, it works both ways in the fact of, yes, you're both the man and the woman are totally giving up their lives when they get married. Like, you you go from this more selfish-ish creature who has to only worry about themselves, and now you have to totally give up your life to this other person and to the offspring that you will produce. And so it, you're, I mean, you are laying down your life and your desires. Especially you see this once you once you get once you have kids. It's like now all of a sudden it's like who cares what I want? Like I have to, I have to get up in the middle of the night. I have to like take these kids places I don't want to take them do all these different things but it's it's out of love and I, and there's this very much real sacrifice but I want I do want to talk about the fact that I, I'm not 
opposed to necessarily like, like having a family business, having some like side thing, like say, you know, you, you, you and your husband have like this side business of like clothing or you grow stuff and you go to farmer's market with it, stuff like that. Like that, that requires real work at home, but you're not outside of the home and you're not to the detriment of your children away from them. So I think those are, I think those are distinctions to be made. I don't, I don't think that they're the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely a lot of, a lot of interesting points and a lot of, um, I don't know. I think that, that it's important for, this is a very important conversation to have because I, and I don't say it as much anymore because I found a lot of problems with it just in general, but I used to say that I was a pro-life feminist, right? And I know a lot of young people who do because we because it's just I mean kind of like we're going back to I don't know feminism sounds good right we hear what it or what it did we hear what it did on the outside but we don't what we don't see and what we don't realize is what it did to our culture and how do you think that feminism and the sexual revolution are correlated do you think that they are do you think that feminism led to the sexual revolution what would you say about that yeah yeah so feminism it it, it had to yeah when when because that was one of the things that they advocated for the most was they were saying men are promiscuous we want to be promiscuous too which had to which of course led to everybody being promiscuous because if even if even if men were terrible but women held their dignity women held their chastity there wouldn't have been a way into a sexual revolution. And that's not on the bad part of the woman. Like both, both parties are definitely to blame for that. But yeah, the, the contraceptive mentality as well, all those things led into those things. But yeah, feminism is a big part of that because feminism is taking the natural role of woman and making her something different. That's why like you have to go from like feminism to transgenderism is like the, the natural end of it because it's like this total changing of like role and identity and that's what you get in the end of it if transgenderism is like this total like you know what I can just be whatever I want to be because feminism is saying the same thing it's I can be whatever I want to be I have mm. no actual role I create my role wow yeah 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 that's interesting um and I mean I think it, it it's true because I think that um, everyone, there's not one of us who say maybe, right? Like, oh, I'm a pro-life feminist who would say, oh, I'm fine with being in agreement of trans transgenderism. And we have to kind of understand that like things like this don't happen. Things like this don't come just out of the thin air, right? Um, you know, feminism, even feminism, right? came out of years of women thinking oh like what like what should we be doing like we want more equal rights but you're saying that they wanted a lot more um sexual quote-unquote freedom and I mean it's a whole nother conversation uh, as to why the sexual revolution didn't actually give women sexual freedom and it's just made us more enslaved to our passions but um yeah I think I think that this topic of feminism is something that I, I mean, I don't know, does the church address it very much? Cause I, I don't see that the church addresses it that much. What do you, yeah, it, it did a lot, 
back in the day. And that's, I, I gave you a lot of quotes on that, but I, I wanted to read the one that I read last time because right. I think it's, I think it's so good. And it's from uh, Pius XI in 1930, encyclical called Casti Canubi. I'm kind of taking bits and pieces from different places, but okay. it pretty much sums up the true role of woman, what's going to make her actually free and against feminism. And so, and so he says, um, this order includes both the primacy of the husband with regard to the wife and children. So he's quoting from Augustine at first, talking about there, there is a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And so there's husband, wife, children. And so this order includes both the primacy of the husband with regard to the wife and children, the ready subjection of the wife and her willing obedience, which the apostle Paul commands in these words, let women be subject to their husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. All the church fathers, all of the saints throughout all of history, anytime they comment on this, they're totally in agreement on it that like, Paul says what he means and means what he says, which is a good thing if we're actually mm-hmm. living in a holy family. And so no, that back. is beautiful. Yeah. You read that last time and it, that's just that's and we're going to include all this in the show notes, but that mm-hmm. just kind of summarizes what, what Christian family life should be. Yeah. And so he goes on. So he's talking about feminists. Now these are people trying to destroy the family. The same false teachers who try to dim the luster of conjugal faith and purity do not scruple to do away with the honorable and trusting obedience which the woman owes to the man. Many of them even go further and assert that such a subjugation of one party to the other is unworthy of human dignity, saying that the church isn't right whenever they say that all these things about family. Mm -hmm. So that the rights of husband and wife are equal, he's saying they're not. Wherefore, they boldly proclaim the emancipation of woman has been or ought to be affected. The woman is to be freed at her own good pleasure from the burdensome duties properly belonging to a wife as companion and mother. We have already said that this is not an emancipation, but a crime. This, however, is not the true emancipation of woman, nor that rational and exalted liberty which belongs to the noble office of a Christian woman and wife. It is rather the debasing of the woman of the womanly character and the dignity of motherhood, and indeed of the whole family, as a result of which the husband suffers the loss of his wife, the children of their mother, and the home and the whole family of an ever watchful guardian. More than this, this false liberty and unnatural equality with the husband is to the de- is to the detriment of the woman herself. For if the woman descends from her truly regal throne to which she has been raised within the walls of the home by means of the gospel, she will soon be reduced to the old state of slavery, if not in appearance, certainly in reality, and become, as amongst the pagans, the mere instrument of man. So feminism makes women actually more oppressed by man than those are those are some strong words. Yeah. Those are some strong words coming from Pope Pius. Pius the 11th. Pius the 11th. I mean, there's so, there's so much in there and we're almost out of time. But um, one thing I just want to say is, I mean, to wrap this all up, like it's true, right? And I remember, I actually remember, I think, I don't remember where I heard this from, but I think it was my coworker, my guy coworker a couple years ago. And he was, I mean, we were, we were talking, obviously I was working in the office, he was working in the office, but I, I'm a single woman, you know, just doing my life working in the pro-life movement and he was like he read me this quote and it stuck with me and it was something about how like why would women 
spend eight hours a day creating spreadsheets when they can create human life. And I mean, there's no better way to sum that up, right? I mean, that this is what women are created for is to create life. And nobody, nobody who knows me would say that I'm saying that as like a cop out or as like something that like, oh, I only want to be in the home, all this stuff, right? I'm most adventurous. I love traveling, all this stuff. But once I have a family, like that's my job, you know, that's, that's the job. That's the role of a wife and mother. So, yeah. Yeah. So I just, so family life is way more serious than we take it. Moms and dads have such a huge responsibility of creating saints in a saintly environment. And the woman is best at doing that in the home. You just naturally, like women make things so beautiful and so welcoming. And that is why like she's like, she's just made for that. And so that, that's, and that's what the church recognizes. Like woman is able to make this beautiful thing is so nurturing, compassionate, and able to form these younger children in such a way that that is what she needs to, in order to make them saints. Because in our judgment, like at judgment, the husband will be judged, will be judged the hardest because he was supposed to be the leader of the family. But then the wife too will be judged like, okay, not only how did you live your life, but how did you make, how did you do for your kids? Like your kids have rights too. Your kids have a right to you and a right to be formed properly. And that has to be taken very seriously within family. So true. So true. We could have you on for part three, but people might get tired of you by now. Where can they find you, Nick? Yeah, so I am on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Nick Wiley. Um, Yeah, hit me up with any questions. I love talking about this stuff. This is one of my favorite topics. And so wonderful. Yeah, I I mean, I, I, I'm definitely learning from you. I think that some people who listen to this podcast might be a little surprised because um, I don't talk about this much. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know, I, I am very out in the world. And I think that it might surprise people when they hear, oh, like, oh, so Anna, like when she becomes a mom, she's not going to continue to be out in the world. No, of course. I'm, I mean, I'm probably going to always have a part-time writing job, but it's going to be from my home and it's going to be, you know, with my kids. So, um, yeah, I mean, give us your comments, give us your feedback. I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about this podcast and make sure to follow Nick and yeah. Anyway. I don't know where I was going with that, but sorry about the dog noise in the background. It's because it's nighttime and uh, my roommate has dogs and they get scared every little thing at night. We're recording this at almost 10 p.m., which is lovely, but it's fine. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on, Nick, and join us again, everyone, next Monday for another episode of the Classy Chicks podcast.